Hello everyone and welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Dave. And I'm Austin. Somebody literally just start the Pornhub video there. What? No. Start a no. Pornhub video, did you say? Yeah, I think it was might have been you, Alex, and I could just see the drum and cymbal chime for the start of a... Whatever. Well, reflected <laughs> in my glasses. Yeah, whatever you just pressed play on was almost certainly a Pornhub intro. It, it, it absolutely wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> you know that, you know you said almost certainly, it's the almost bit, man. It's, it's the almost bit. I didn't wait until we started the Films on Trial podcast and then crack on a bit of porn to watch while you're talking in my ears. These, these are some serious allegations. I know, I'd like to think you'd know me a little better than that Ozzy, to be honest, after like two decades, you know? Yeah, that's maybe why I thought you'd done it. <laughs> I mean, if, if Joel was on this podcast, we wouldn't have batted an eyelid, but you know. <laughs> Welcome to another edition of Films on Trial. I'm Gav. I'm Alex. I'm Dave. <laughs> and I'm Austin. <laughs> and the romance is dead. Or at least our season on romantic comedies has concluded anyway. And we start a new chapter today. A chapter all about Ridley Scott. A chapter which features some truly high points, but also has its fair share of absolute dross. And we will hopefully cover those peaks and troughs as we put... Ridley Scott on trial. Well, not Ridley Scott the man. I mean, yeah. we'll be starting off with yeah, the, the works of, of Ridley Scott. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much, Dave. Thank you. <laughs> and, and we'll be starting off today with his latest Academy Award nominated film, House of Gucci. Is it the fun house or is it the last house on the left? Essentially, <laughs> we're going to be finding out if this film will be placed on our esteemed hit list or our steaming Shit list. Now, I thought I'd do something a little bit different at the beginning of this episode. So let's start off with a little Ridley <sighs> Scott quiz question. In a temporary segment, I'm calling Ridley Me This. Ridley, Ridley Me This. this. <laughs> That's good. I love it. Right. So here we go. Here's a question. First, fingers on the buzzers, guys. First one to answer gets the point. Scott directed an advert for Maxwell House Coffee, which starred Shakira Bashk. Now, which Hollywood actor saw this advert and was so captured by the actress's beauty that he searched for her with the couple later marrying with this marriage still going strong to this day, almost 30 years later? No idea. No idea. Name of that coffee man that everyone loves, George Clooney. It's not George Clooney, no, no. I should say it's over 30 years, not almost. Uh, Okay, I'll give you a little clue on who that Hollywood titan is. He famously, <laughs> no, it's not Kurt Russell. No, he famously. We know, we know who Clooney and Kurt Russell's partners are. <laughs> <laughs> no, okay, he famously played a Burmese war criminal. Oh, Michael Kay. Michael Kay. <laughs> <laughs> yes. As Alfred, as Alfred, that lovable Alfred character, the Burmese war criminal, Alfred. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, when I say famously, I mean famously for this podcast anyway. Yeah, it is Michael Caine. So yeah, Michael Caine saw a lady in an advert for Maxwell House that was directed by Ridley Scott. He was so enamored with it that he pursued her and married her. And, and 30 years later, they're still going strong. 
Uh, so yeah, there we go. Nice little fun segment now. Thanks, guys. How did he start? Imagine having to search for someone 30 years ago, like pre-internet. How do you? I couldn't even begin uh, where to big. I wouldn't even know where to start. I think I reckon he'd start at Maxwell House and then go to every other Maxwell House. Let's <laughs> <laughs> work his way up the street from there. Uh, okay, now, before we go on to trial, our last film on trial was Something's Gotta Give, which I judged and deemed should be placed on the hit list. Yeah. I've since gone away and I've watched the film, so did I make the right call or not? Alex, what do you think? No, you didn't. Of course you didn't. Of course you didn't. <laughs> Will you be will you be big enough to admit that though, Gav? Is the question. <laughs> so I thought that it was all right. I, I don't think it was awful. It wasn't brilliant. It was just very middle of the road. I, I definitely agree with Alex in that there was so much more that could have been explored. And although Dave was spawn in that some of the dialogue is very well written and that some of the acting is pretty good as well. It's depiction of love experienced by older characters and also what you're saying, Alex, about love spanning different generations as well with Jack Nicholson dating the, the younger um, woman. It, they're just not explored enough, I don't think. You know, I had this idea of it being a little bit like Grace and Frankie, but it was just nowhere near as funny or as charming or as sweet. But that being said, it was an okay watch. You know, I didn't find myself reaching for my phone or turning it off early. So I probably would place it on the hit list, although it would probably be closer to the bottom of the list than it would be to the top. So apologies for that, Alex. But mm. yeah, it was it was all right, is, is my summary there. It's not. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. Now on to the trial. Now all of the roles have been picked out of the hat at random. So acting as defense and trying to get this film placed on the hit list are Dave and Alex. Dave is just like Adam Driver's character, Maurizio Gucci, in that he looks very dashing in a turtleneck. Oh, I'll take that. That was, that was quite generous. <laughs> and joining Dave... <laughs> it all goes downhill from Dave, I'm sorry. Uh, joining Dave in defense is Alex, who is just like Jeremy Irons' character, Rodolfo Gucci, in that you can tell that he really doesn't want to be here. <laughs> <laughs> And acting as prosecution and trying to get this film placed on the shit list is me. And I'm just like Lady Gaga's character, Patrizia Gucci, a ruthless business person who will fuck over anybody to ensure the success of their empire. <laughs> <laughs> who would Joel have been if he was on? Uh, is, is there like a really forgettable character? <laughs> <laughs> Well, Stefano like... Gucci. You don't remember him, but he was a... <laughs> Stefano. <laughs> it was just one of the guys at the party <laughs> eating ice cream. <laughs> now, uh, just like real court advocates, the defense and prosecution will be making the best case for their roles. Now, these may or may not be their genuine opinions, though, so do stay tuned until the end of the episode to hear what they really think. Now, on to the judge who has to decide which list this film should be placed on, hit or shit, based solely on the arguments put to him, it is Ozzy. And Ozzy is just like Jared Leto's character, Paolo Gucci, a very flamboyant joke of a man. I'm <laughs> 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 oh, sorry, Ozzy. I'm sorry, but it, it just writes itself. I always love it yeah. when your best insult is for the judge. It's, it's just, <laughs> when I'm on the other team, it's just such a nice way of beginning the uh, episode. <laughs> 
I, I gotta say, Alex, when I moved on to you uh, and I was describing you, I saw your eyes wide and, and I thought to myself, I wonder who thinks I'm gonna liken him oh, to Paolo Gucci. Hundred percent thought you were going for Paolo. Hundred percent. I was I was happy with Jeremy Irons, the guy who dies halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> now, before we get started, I think that we should probably give the audience a bit oh, of a better yeah. understanding. S spoilers, by the way, audience, just to... <laughs> 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 yeah. They're, late, but They're all real people. If they Rodolfo Gucci is dead? <laughs> <laughs> but it would have been his 174th birthday this year. <laughs> Now, before we get started, I think we should probably give the audience a bit of a better understanding as to what this film is all about. So let us spin the Wheel of Impressions. <laughs> That's a good one. I don't think I've heard that one before. I've not so, heard that one before. Yeah. What we do here is we read off the synopsis of the film in the style of one of the cast or characters from the film. This week, it has landed on Austin. Oh, so, uh, Austin, how would we like Austin? I mean, to be I've not seen. Austin. I've not seen it's, the film. But oh, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It it doesn't matter. <laughs> okay, Austin. I don't think I don't think Jared Leto's ever heard an Italian person. <laughs> it's funny because that's what Katie says when we've been we've been trying to learn Italian, and my Italian accent is all referenced from Mario and Luigi. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, there you go. The Aussie, it's that's a good reference to have. He is Italian. That's, that sounds but, that's fine but, to me. From Super Mario Brothers. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that oh, okay. is a more okay. Italian accent. I just, I can't so. wait. I can't wait until you're walking along, you know, the beautiful lagoon in Venice, and you're going like, ha ha, ha ha, ha ha. <laughs> to be honest with you, that's that's very Paolo, everyone. Well, yeah, yeah. Let me let me just correct that. There's very Jared Leto's interpretation. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, I'll see. So, I mean, uh, and I'm, I'm not trying to be mean here, but your most offensive, stereotypical <laughs> Italian accent uh, that you can think of will be close to what Jared Leto did in this film. So. And, and throw in some wahoos and ha-ha's. Boof. 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 Okay. Uh, when Patrizia Reggiani an outsider from humble beginnings, marries into the Gucci family. Unbridled ambition begins to unravel their legacy and triggers a reckless spiral of betrayal, decadence, revenge, and ultimately murder. Woohoo! Super Mario! No, no, Ozzy, you don't know how good an impression you just did. <laughs> you have no is. idea how. Jared Leto to a T. Like, yeah. that is spot on, man. That is spot on. Paolo Gucci. <laughs> Sorry, yeah, Paolo Gucci, yeah. <laughs> well, now that I've heard the introduction from myself, I've read it with my own eyes. I feel uh, pretty, pretty well established and ready to go. So maybe it's best we start with the defense and tell me what. Uh, what a great film we're on here, and uh, please let me know. Uh, Alex? This is a really, really good story. It's so it's a good story for about, I'd say, four different reasons, but just to give you a quick little overview, it's basically a, a story of a relationship between Maurizio Agucci and uh, Patrizia Reggiani, who got married, and it's about their sort of power play within the Gucci family to sort of take power away from the uncle and consolidate power. Basically, what happens is they get together. He's, because they believe that Patrizia is a bit of a gold digger. He's sort of let, he's not allowed in the family. 
little by little and with Patrizia sort of helping him Maurizio comes back into the family Patrizia very much wants to be back in the family you're not always sure that what what's interesting about it you're not always sure if she is a gold digger that's going straight for it it's not quite that simple and that, that is what makes the story interesting and if Maurizio is being you know if he's being manipulated or if it is what he wants to do as well anyway throughout the film they sort of consolidate power they you know they take it away from the uncle they expose his tax fraud he goes to prison but their relationship sours as a result of this Maurizio uh, in the end decides not to be with her anymore and you know again this is a true story what actually happened is she couldn't deal with not being a Gucci anymore and she actually hired assassins who ki we, we, who killed Maurizio Gucci and in the end so, so that's basically the story but there's so much more to it I'd say you know when I'm talking about the four things I'd say the one big thing is called House of Gucci is this is a film about fashion, you know, because it's Gucci's in the title. And I would say I am not at all anyone who anyone would think is like a fashionable person or you would like think a film about fashion would be geared towards. But I did find the fashion in this interesting. Normally, I would say mostly I find like high fashion kind of reprehensible and I don't feel like it's a positive force at all. But what I liked about this was it wasn't a defense of Gucci and it wasn't attacking Gucci. It was just a story about Gucci. And that was really interesting. And I, I quite liked that. It didn't sort of feed into my own personal bias against Gucci, but it also didn't try and justify, you know, this high expensive fashion. It's just a story. And I think if you're into fashion, you get a lot out of this film because I think, you know, you see Carl Lagerfeld, you know, people I know are in fashion. He turns up. Is it Anne Wintour from Vogue? Anna um, Wintour, yeah. Anna Wintour, she turns up, and I'm sure there's lots of other designers, Tom Ford's in it. There's lots of other designers that if you know about it, you'd be interested in. And the actual styles of the clothes they're wearing, I found quite interesting as well. And that comes brings me on to another thing I like about it. It's a bit of a period piece. You know, it's set in the sort of like late 80s and then early 90s. And I think that makes the fashion interesting. Whereas if it was set today, obviously it wouldn't be because the stories in the past. I wouldn't find, you know, I don't find fashion today interesting. I find it interesting to look at that. What was chic and fashionable then? I, I just found it an interesting look. Another part of it is it's a family thriller. So this is a thriller and you sort of, you know, at the start of the film, it sort of teases. And if you know anything about it, you know that he was assassinated by Patrizia Reggiani. It's not a, you know, you're not spoiling it like, you know, Dave said before. But how you get there is very, very interesting and seeing her reaction, Patrizia's reaction to certain things that go on, the anger, the absolute rage that controls it. It's just very fascinating. And seeing Maurizio, how he changes, I, I, th I think it's a very interesting thriller, even if you take away the true story part of it, just as an actual sort of psychological thriller, it, it's really fascinating. You know, it's kind of War of the Roses, kind of Kramer versus Kramer in, in certain parts. And the last little part, and the last little, I heard that snort, and the last little part uh, is there's a lot of comedy in this film as well. So you have these performances by Jared Leto, as we were saying, and by um, Al Pacino, which are, to say flamboyant, doesn't quite capture it, to be honest. Um, and so there is like a comedy aspect to this. We'll do, I'm sure a lot of what we're going to talk about later is, is this intentional or not? But regardless of whether it's intentional or not, I would say it kind of lightens what is quite a heavy story. It kind of lightens it. And to look at these ridiculous characters, and they are ridiculous, um, there, there, is, there, there is lightness to it. So it is a bit of a comedy. It's got a good, evokes the period very well. 
it's got a really good family thriller and as well it's an interesting look into fashion so i mean what's not to like yeah sounds fantastic um but the look on gav's face makes me think that uh mm. agrees with a lot of what you've just had to say so uh let's hope his internet holds up so that he gets to uh give <laughs> you a, in, a good response I'll fill in the blanks if it doesn't <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what about this film is uh is so bad alex has really laid it out for me it's a it's a true story about it's a thriller it's fashionable it's, it's comedic you know it's got everything i could possibly want out of a film well, apart from a, a story or a, a script or decent performances, but oh, <laughs> oh it's own. <laughs> this, this, this movie is supposed to be all about conflict. The conflicts within the Gucci family, the conflict b- between Patrizia and Maurizio's marriage, even the conflicts within the cutthroat fashion industry. But the conflict which dominates throughout is the conflict within the film's tone. The film spends the exceedingly long two hours and 37 minute runtime awkwardly straddling two styles, but never settling on one. So where Alex said before that, oh yeah, there's a bit of comedy in there and you know, there's a bit of an interesting story. It flips between the two of them very, very jarringly throughout. It cuts one minute from this really straight-faced and dour biopic to then this flamboyant, camp, cheesy, almost dark comedy to wildly different themes that just do not blend together at all. And because the film never decides what it wants to be or what it wants to focus on, the story really, really suffers. Alex said before that, oh, it's this, this really interesting story and really interesting aspects of, of this story. It's, it's not. We have these really long, drawn-out, boring sections and then these short, glossed-over, more interesting sections that you actually want to see more of, but they're over before you know they've even begun, really. And the only consistent thing through this film is the awful array of Italian accents, which range from all right in Adam Driver to woeful of Jeremy Irons to Jared Leto, who does to the Italian accent what those assassins did to Maurizio Gucci. (laughs) We're going to cover that in great depth later on. Now, Alex mentioned that if you like fashion, this would be an interesting watch. Or if you're interested in the fashion industry, then you would like the cameos in this film from the fashionistas and the fashion icons. But what if you don't really care about that stuff? Or what if you're not that interested? What if you're interested in the rise and fall of the House of Gucci or with the assassination of Maurizio Gucci? These things I was like really interested about before the film started, but it spent so fucking long covering the boring aspects, these subplots that don't really account to anything and glossing over the much more interesting aspects that by the end of it, you just feel really worn out. This could have been a really interesting film if they massively would have trimmed it down, focused on some of the more other interesting aspects of the subject matter and maybe cast some fucking Italian actors but instead, what we're left with is this overstuffed, disjointed, boring, and tonally awkward film that dresses like it's Hollywood, but comes across more like it's Halewood. <laughs> Which is a very niche joke What's... that only Liverpool-based... <laughs> yeah, and also, sorry to our listeners in Halewood. Yeah, what do you got against Halewood? <laughs> what, what, the hell's, what the hell have you got against Halewood? Listen, I like Halewood, but, you know, it, it's not Hollywood, is it? You're not going to get the Academy Awards <laughs> live from Halewood, are you? Yeah, I think you picked Halewood because it sounds like Hollywood. That's why I think you picked Halewood. <laughs> <laughs>
Uh, anyway, that was a pretty damning uh, response, Alex and Dave. Essentially, throwing it right down that while it could have been a great story and it's got the the elements of what what should be a good film, it's actually let down by picking out just famous names who can't do Italian accents and not focusing on one part of the story. What what do you have to recover on that, Dave? How, uh, how yeah. is the story dealt with? Yeah, if I may, I mean, we talk about boring elements. This is a great story, but it's also a true story. We can't make shit up and put it in the middle of this film. You know, we can't make it more exciting by having Rodolfo abducted by aliens or something. You know? <laughs> <laughs> These were real people. You know, this is the story of what happened to them. The rise of the House of Gucci isn't so much covered in this one. We're going back to the 1950s and uh, Gucci or Gucci for that one. This, uh, like Alex says, takes over more like the late 70s, I think, and runs through the 80s. So we see um, it was Rodolfo and Aldo who were in charge of it at the time. That's Jeremy Irons and Al Pacino. And it, the point of the story we come in is after Rodolfo stepped back a bit, he's ailing, his health isn't so good. So Aldo is pretty much in charge of the company. And it's about Maurizio coming back into the fold after being ostracized by his father. And ultimately taking over the company, becoming the majority shareholder and forcing his uncle and cousin out and ultimately losing his own share to the original investor that he sold his uncle and cousin out to in the first place. This is an interesting story and it is, is a true story. We can't embellish it. We can't make stuff up that didn't happen. The story itself is good enough in and of itself. But if you say there's boring bits that you didn't want to hear about, they're integral to understanding what happened to the Gucci's and why the, there is no Gucci still at the house of Gucci. You know, it is operated by by other consortiums and other fashion houses. And and yeah, so I, I, I disagree with the tonal element, but that's, that's you know, it's pure opinion on tone and uh, I don't think it's as much of an issue what essentially you've got here I think at its worst moment if we're going to be cutting is a high-end soap opera this is it is a family drama but I quite like a high-end soap opera you know <laughs> it's, 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 I don't think there's anything wrong with that this is all about the family you know the the murder of Maurizio Gucci it's been done you know the trial has been done before if you want to learn about that there's other things you can watch to learn about the trial and the and the police investigation who was murdered and the ultimate conviction of Patrizia this is about the bit that we haven't actually seen before. And it's a good story. You know, it's about how Gucci was lost by the family. And also it, it does cover briefly the, the emergence of Tom Ford, who is one of the most exciting uh, fashion designers of the 90s, still one of the most exciting fashion designers now. And he himself had a few opinions about the film, which I thought we'll get into more when we go into the characters, because he actually knew some of those. And uh, yeah, so essentially, this is a good looking film. And it's uh, an accurate film, I think, in a lot of ways. And although there may be issues with the story and the tone, you got to bear in mind this is a true story. We can't get carried away with embellishing it. And in just to quickly say, in terms of the fashion and how the film looks, um, although the family, the Gucci family, didn't want anything to do with the project, they hadn't done since its inception in 2006, but the Gucci, the firm, the fashion house, did and gave access to their archives. So all the clothes that you see there are real Gucci lines from back in the 80s. Uh, so the authenticity... And if you are interested in fashion, there is a lot to take in on the screen here because they had that cooperation from the fashion house. They were able to go into the archives and yeah, the uh, even some of the props that were used by people back then. And like I say, the fashion that everyone is wearing, it's all very accurate and all, all quite interesting to see on screen. Here we go, Gaff. Uh, I see you've had your hand up politely for quite some time now. And, and, and uncharacteristically of you, you've, uh, you've <laughs> kept quiet right until the end of the document. So I'm going to yeah. give you an extra point. Oh, thank you, you very much, Ozzy. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I've, I've tried to give Dave the respect that I feel that Ridley Scott didn't give me. 
Dave, like, inadvertently summed it up quite well at the end there where he said that this is a good-looking film. This film, for me, is the definition of style over substance. All of the outfits and locations look truly stunning. I completely agree with everything Dave's saying there with the Gucci um, industry opening up its archives and letting them use actual authentic, tangible props and costumes. You, there's a lot of attention to detail here in creating this aesthetic, and you really do get a sense of time and place, which, for me, is a big positive. But they failed to carry that attention to detail and focus over to the script. Dave said that, you know, we can't be embellishing things. I'm not saying that. And, and he, even if they did have a fucking alien abduction of Rodolfo Gucci, they'd still probably find a way of making it really boring. <laughs> what I'm saying is we, we don't need... But, well, okay, it, it essentially starts with Adam Driver's Maurizio Gucci is about to be assassinated. And then it turns out that it's being orchestrated by his ex-wife, Patrizia, played by Lady Gaga. Now, I know Dave said that if you want like an in-depth overview of what happens, there are other things that you can that you can watch, there are other things that you can read. Well, I, I didn't know anything about this going into this film. So like when you read the synopsis and you're sold on this film, you're told that it's about their relationship and what happened to him and the fallout. So I was I felt like I was sold down the river a little bit. Because once we have that opening introduction where you're, you set this scene of, like, this is what it's going to be about, we then go into the story of how they met and how they fell in love, which feels very drawn out and could definitely benefit from a few cuts. And it also features one of the most awkward and unintentionally hilarious sex scenes in cinematic history. Uh, and <laughs> Which ones? <laughs> the, the one, which, which one? The one with Lady Gaga in the office. <laughs> What was, I didn't find that awkward. I thought it was all right. I, I have no problem with that. I thought the bath was more Jesus awkward. Jesus Christ. Adam, Adam I mean, the bath was, was going to set himself on fire with those Yeah, I mean, I was bath. a bit worried yeah. just, but there was water there, so I was all right. Yeah, but no, I... Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, without, yeah, yeah. Without wanting to go back to what we started this podcast on, I enjoyed both of those sections. <laughs> Let's please, please gloss over that. <laughs> just like more, some of the more interesting aspects of the script were glossed over. Uh, so... The thing is, is that it then just meanders on subplots that aren't very interesting to me, like Patrizia's relationship with a psychic later on, and Maurizio's Swiss holiday, and, you know, um, Paolo's fashion industry or his attempts to start a new fashion industry. But it glosses over some of the more interesting aspects of the story and some of potential character developments or character arcs, like the transformation of Maurizio from a placid law student to this ruthless businessman. It just happens all of a sudden. There's no arc. There's no sort of like him kind of questioning whether he should be doing this or, you know, uh, it's like just hints of him becoming this ruthless person. The same with Patricia. You know, she transforms from this wide-eyed but loving partner to this scheming and even more ruthless figure. It just happens instantaneously. Then we have Maurizio's downfall as a businessman and his overspending, which seems to happen, major the majority of it anyway, off screen. We, we're told that he's this massive gambler and he's spending all of his money on these luxurious items, but we don't really see a lot of that. We don't see a lot of the decadence, which I thought would be a really interesting part of the story. And then the breakup of their marriage as well just seems very, very glossed over. It just almost happens. They go away to this villa in, in, in Switzerland. He's met this other person, and then he goes, oh, it's over. And that's it. It doesn't really focus too much on, on what she does after that point. It, and then he has this weird character development where he becomes an overspender, and he becomes sort of like, you know, buying all these decadence 
uh, flamboyant exuberance items. And then the most interesting aspect of this film for me, and the thing that, that drew me to the cinema, was the assassination of Maurizio, which is how the film begins. And then it's just skimmed over in just a few minutes towards the end, with potentially exciting plot points being completely left out, including, as Dave mentioned before, the investigation of the murder, the discovery of Patricia's involvement in it, the trial itself, and any confrontations or interactions with Patricia and any of the Gucci family. They could have made really interesting aspects, but just completely left out. The story also spans across several decades, but it doesn't keep the viewer up to date on where you are, what year it is, or where we're at in the story. Key events seem to have happened off screen, and it makes you question what the fuck's actually going on at points. So overall, I'd say that this story is like a reverse mullet in that it's short in parts that it should be long, and it's long in parts that it should be short. <laughs> uh, I saw your, your hand went up pretty early on as well, uh, Alex Faraway. And then yeah, once um, that, maybe you can touch a little bit. We, we dealt with a lot with casting characters there, so maybe once you've answered uh, what you want to answer of Gav, you can just talk me through a little bit of, um, you know, the, the actual casting of yes. this, those characters. I think it'd be delightful. Definitely. Will do. Um, just just, a, just my, my, my thing on what Gav was talking about there. I, I think the the love story between them is very, very interesting. And I understood it all the way through. And I can see why they didn't, you know, it's a two and a half hour film. And I can see why they didn't spend time on the investigation because it's turning, that's turning then into a police procedural. You know, Gav, Gav wants everything in the film, but then he's saying it's two and a half hours long. So I, I, I don't quite... I, I don't want that. everything in the and, film. <laughs> and also... You've I'd rather got be about remember, none of that. I just about the assassination. You've got to remember that this is a film about real people. So there are limits on what you can put in a film. So there, for example, there's and, it, and the film plays very well, very, very well without making it clear that Patrizia Reggiani is some sort of like horrendous black widow, which they could have portrayed her as. I think she's portrayed as quite an interesting character. She, she's very poor. You can see why she goes after Maurizio because she wants wealth and power and she loves Maurizio. And it's not, it's more a complicated way of looking at things than just that she's a gold digger, which would have been quite easy and see and to cast him as the victim. And you know, that then he becomes turns into Gavosani just instantly turns into like a power hungry. I think you can see those shoots happening all the way through the film, and I think it's fascinating the way it's shown. They are real people. So for example, there's a bit where when uh is it Rodolfo? Jeremy Irons dies. Rodolfo Gucci dies. And he's left in, as part of his will, he's left his shares, but he hasn't signed them over to the song. And earlier in the film, it's shown that Patrizia is very good at forging a signature. And there's a bit where she goes over and she gets a picture of Rodolfo and his signature is at the bottom. It cannot say, for legal reasons, I imagine, that Patrizia forged the signature. And so, you know, it has to be, it has to play carefully with these things these are real people and with real families and stuff like this so the film has to be a bit more careful than it would be in a more in, in just an actual film that was complete fiction so i you know i feel like gav's been a bit unfair on the film because i think it plays it does it plays very well with those with what it needs to do it, it does it really well going on to what i'm sure we'll talk about more is the performances now gav was talking about the comedy accents and the italian accents right and it's a weird choice. Don't get me wrong. It's an odd choice to have these English actors, mainly, doing Italian accents. It's just strange. But it's also kind of new and innovative. 
you know what I mean? Or not, maybe not even innovative is the wrong word. <laughs> I can't imagine not innovative. anyone thinking, you know what's going to be really innovative? Get these English guys. Really <laughs> to do. Innovative pass- possibly is the exact wrong word to, to describe it. It's, But it's kind of fun as well. When you're watching Lady Gaga and she's just, you know, she's starting to talk in her Italian accent. You're like, hmm. But she keeps it fairly consistent. Uh, and so does Maurizio. Adam Driver keeps his very consistent his is a very good uh, italian accent i mean I, I think i'm not italian but i think it's a pretty good one and then you've got al pacino and jared leto and i'm you know i'm obviously not going to say that their accents are any good they're, they're not very good they're quite embellished and they're quite a bit extreme are some of these people not actually italian or from italian heritage are they not all like italian well, heritage? al pacino is italian american lady gaga is italian american I think that's where it stops, though. But I don't think they speak in the same way that I'm Irish. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, you know, no, and have like, you know, the, yeah, yeah. Some of the family might be Italian, but they they yeah. not around it, which may, I suppose makes sense. Yeah, they certainly haven't. I wouldn't say Al Pacino drew on those roots for his performance. <laughs> I wouldn't. I wouldn't necessarily say that that's what he did. But it's a, it's a weird one. You know, it's kind of what makes the film memorable as well. Like Jared Leto, maybe Dave will disagree. My my honourable defence counterpart will uh, disagree with me here. Jared Leto is quite shit in this. And it's quite, you know, it's quite, and, and I would say it's very hard to defend because it's just like, wow, but he's fucking memorable. You will remember this film because of House <laughs> of Gucci. You will remember it. You will remember it and think, oh my God. And he's not a main character. He's quite a big character. He's in quite a few scenes. You can't believe how bad he is in it, right? But he's not in enough to break the film. It doesn't break the film, and that's the key thing. You've got Lady Gaga, who's interesting casting as well, and she's she's very good. You've got Adam Driver, who's superb, like really grounds the film and makes sure every, every scene he's in just completely grounded. You've got some really good ca- uh, supporting cast in there as well. You've got Jeremy Irons, Al Pacino, and, you know, Jared Leto is just... He's just a funny extra character to have in. And you will he will make this film more memorable than it would have been without him in. So it's a weird defense argument to have. But yeah, Jared Leto shit in it. And so what? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> no, that's fair enough. I mean, I think that's it. Is, you are right. It's an odd defense to have, but I think you've owned up to it pretty well. And I think you've handled that, you know, almost like the elephant in the room straight out. Yeah. Uh, well, Gav's having a little bit of a uh, trouble on his microphone. I wouldn't mind hearing your uh, follow-up, Dave, just a little bit more. Maybe other things we haven't touched upon, and and maybe a little bit more on the cast and characters. You know, it's quite interesting in terms of the cast that it's massive, massive names in this, mm-hmm. and you know we've already addressed the fact that the accents aren't great, and you know Gav mentioned earlier on maybe we'd have been better off with actual Italian actors and actresses. Would that have been a better? Uh, Choice. Um, well, I, I doubt we'd have the accent issue if we'd actually had Italian <laughs> actors, but <laughs> at least I hope we wouldn't. Um, no, there is an accent issue here for sure. Um, in terms of performances, I actually think Lady Gaga is pretty good. I think um, her, her accent is generally regarded as all right, but her performance, regardless of the accent, is very good. I thought she did a really good job with this one. Adam Driver, I actually can't fault. You know, he's a very talented actor. I thought he was excellent in this. I like Jeremy Irons. I thought he really brought a gravitas to Adolfo. It's quite a small role, but I thought he did a decent job with this one. I actually didn't mind Jeremy Irons' accent either. There was just enough of a lilt 
that you got the idea of, of uh, him being Italian, but without him overdoing it and going too far down a road that he shouldn't go down. You know, uh, Jared Leto could have learned a thing or two from Jeremy Irons on that one, <laughs> I think. Uh, Al, Al Pacino, I liked in this. I thought his performance was actually okay. The only problem is it's hard to remove the fact that he is Al Pacino. He is an icon, and it's too distracting. It's hard to see him as Aldo Gucci. You know, Aldo Gucci, who, who was this this icon of fashion, this mogul of, of 80s fashion. And it's just, it, it's hard to get over the Al Pacino thing. But his performance is actually, I think, pretty solid. Now, Jared Leto is the polarizing one in this one. And he is polarizing. You know, he got equal amounts of praise and criticism for this. It's one of those characters that people seem genuinely split on. Everyone agreed Gaga was fantastic. You know, she got a BAFTA nomination, Golden Globe nomination, Screen Actors Guild, Critics' Choice and Satellite Award nominations for her performance. The only other actor nominated for awards was Jared Leto, who was nominated for Screen Actors Guild, Critics' Choice and Satellite Award for Best Supporting Actor. It really was polarizing because, you know, the criticisms that, that have been leveled at him, um, they're not unfounded. You know, a lot of critics raise that as well but a lot of critics love this performance it's what it taps into what alex was saying there you know it's i wouldn't say he's terrible in this but it's interesting what he's trying to do and he makes paolo gucci an almost comic comically tragic figure he is depicted as as a guy with great ambition and a great passion for fashion that I didn't mean that to rhyme. Um, <laughs> but a passion for fashion <laughs> but a man who ultimately uh, isn't very good you know, his designs are poor. Even, but you know, Gucci has pretty outrageous fashion sense at times, but he takes it to another level. It's depicted in his own personal fashion and in his designs, and he's ridiculed for it. You know, the, and this elements of this are true with the actual Paolo Gucci. You know, Tom Ford said that Paolo Gucci was a very wacky guy. You never knew what he was going to do. He was a true eccentric. And so this is kind of true. And I think Jared Leto tapped into that and just made the cinematic version of this fashion eccentric. And, you know, you he think- really made... Sorry. Do, you, sorry, do you think it was a like do you think it was a conscious choice you know bearing in mind sort of it'd have to be <laughs> you don't think it matters it'd just... have to be that performance doesn't happen by accident i think jared leto deliberately went down the the eccentric route with palaguchi and i think you know it, it, ridley scott must have signed off on this i think the idea was bring a bit of levity to it you know bring a bit of of comedy to it you know palaguchi you know you you can't dislike him you feel very sorry for him at times you know i feel his heart's in the right place but he just he got to love him he just doesn't seem that bright and you know he he gets into trouble with the uh... <laughs> um and it's it's an enjoyable character to watch on screen like alex said you won't forget jared leo's take on paolo gucci and who really knew who paolo gucci was apart from people who really studied like the, the house of Gucci history and, and the fashion designs throughout the eighties, this has made him uh, put him back on the map. You know, it's a shame Paolo Gucci's not alive to see it because the eccentric that I believe he was would have enjoyed this, you know, would have enjoyed the attention. And this is, this what is clearly a performance about him and almost a caricature of him, I think is, is, is memorable. And like I say, it's polarizing for the critics of this performance. There are an equal amounts to defenders. And the people who are willing to lavish praise and even awards on this. So it's a polarizing performance. But overall, I don't think he deserves the grief he got. Okay. Okay. Well, I think that's pretty uh, good. I, I love it when you say things like, um, it re- reminds me where, of that argument when you, I can't remember you said that um, about somebody when they're, when they're dead, they would have loved this film. They would have really enjoyed that performance. <laughs> that argument when uh, somebody challenged you and he said, well, actually, and you pulled out a letter. 
from oh yeah, <laughs> <Blade> <laughs> <Runner>. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah that one was true as well yeah i actually yeah. meant that one <laughs> uh gav are you uh, able to unmute yourself okay right so I-, I will say that the worst part of this film hands down are the performances on paper this looks like it's assembled an all-star cast featuring everybody that Dave and Alex have mentioned, Adam Driver, Lady Gaga, Jeremy Irons, Al Pacino, Jared Leto, all bar the latter are very talented actors. But I think because the tone of this film was never defined, they weren't able to hone their performances. So instead of having one cast, what we're left with essentially is what seems to be an assortment of characters from many different films. So Adam Driver here, I have to disagree with what Alex said. He is, for me, the least worst. He plays the character very straight-faced, like he's in Lincoln or Ray or Walk the Line or any other normal biopic. His accent is bad in part, but generally all right. The main criticism I have here is the character. The character changes dramatically at a couple of points throughout the film, and it feels genuinely jarring. As I said before, he starts off as this meek, mild-mannered law student who then just becomes really ruthless. It's not really defined. It's not really kind of laid out for you. And then later on, once again, when he breaks up his marriage, he just has another 180 turn, and all of a sudden he's this reckless spender. It's not really laid out, and his character arc suffers for it. Then Lady Gaga gives an all right accent at first, but it became, but it becomes incredibly grating over time. Like when you pick up on a colleague's quirk, like an unusual laugh or something. But the more that you hear it, the more you want to just smash your own head against the photocopier. You know, it's one of those. <laughs> the, it just becomes wow. more grating as the film goes on. <laughs> Apologies to any of my colleagues who maybe. <laughs> Yeah, what have you got against my laugh, Gav? <laughs> now, now, her character, once again, is also poorly defined. She has a very, very shaky arc. I, I say, you know, I, what Alex was saying before, yeah, it does start out that she is poor and you can understand why she is drawn to Maurizio and that she wants to develop more power and wealth. But I feel like she just takes a sudden change of character where she becomes this really supportive, loving wife. And then she becomes this arsehole who's just obsessed with power. And once again, it's just it's just an arc that doesn't be, it isn't really defined and her performance suffers for it. Then we've got Gen- Jeremy Irons, who genuinely gives up at attempting an Italian accent at one point. He honestly is like, fuck this, I'm just going to be Jeremy Irons. His character seems interesting at first, but isn't fleshed out properly. And then he dies off screen, so it doesn't matter anyway. Then we've got Al Pacino, who is in this film. Uh, although... <laughs> yes, he is. Yeah. Move on, move on. <laughs> although, <laughs> although from his performance, he might not realise that he is. Like, it, it is one of the most fucking bizarre and off-putting performances I think I've ever seen in a film. There's a scene where he gets a massage and the entire time I'm thinking like, why is this in the scene? Why am I seeing like 76-year-old Al Pacino get a fucking near-naked massage? You know, it's really that made the cut. That that naked Al Pacino massage made the cut in this film. But Maurizio Gucci's character transformation didn't, you know, it just yeah, like it says it all and the last point i'm sorry dave i you know i know that you're trying to do a good job here in defending jared leto but i'm sorry it is fucking 
awful. It is what I can only describe as the personification of one of those really crude caricature drawings that are often drawn by like artists who sit by like the seasides, you know, and they just exaggerate all of your features, like give you a massive <laughs> nose and like a really big stomach or whatever. It is this essentially the personification of that. It is awful. I like I I just can't believe that he has ever been to Italy or spoken to an Italian person or seen anything Italian ever. It is just like he said, well, I don't know, I reckon they sound like this. I've got no idea. <laughs> Who the fuck cares, really? And what makes it worse is that Leto is this famous method actor. So I can, the whole time I'm thinking to myself, Jesus Christ, has he essentially been speaking and acting like that? on and off screen for like several months while he was doing this film. Because if that's the case, I feel sorry for every single person that he interacted with. Like, <laughs> Dave, you mentioned before that, you know, this is a tragic figure. No, it's not. He's a, he's a comedy, like pantomime. Like, I don't know. It's almost like, you know, like two men in a horse costume on, on, a, on a fucking pantomime. It's I just did... like one of those things that are just thrown on the screen and you're like, what the fuck is this? I did say <laughs> comically tragic. Yeah. <you> know? <laughs> <laughs> Emphasis on the comic. You know, when, like when a clown dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, I'd say yeah. Less, less, uh, uh, no, less tragic, more comic. Ozzy, when you said like he's he's doing this performance by hook or by crook, he should have been hooked off the fucking screen. And you know, <laughs> the only crook element to it is that he's been fucking living as an actor for many years now. <laughs> <laughs> when I have not seen any evidence of that. Uh, like, honestly, Dave, you, you mentioned before that this is one plaudits as well. I will also highlight the fact that uh, Paolo Gucci's living relative, his daughter, has said that it was an absolutely awful depiction of her father and of generally the entire family. She said it was horrible, horrible. I still, I still feel offended after watching it. And I will paraphrase Ridley Scott's response like, I will say, for, for legal reasons, this is me paraphrasing it. He said, who gives a fuck? <laughs> <laughs> not sure if that, if that legally covers us there, Gav, but carry on. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's, that's, that's it. Uh, what, what I said before, it's a very strung out, drawn out, bloated film that doesn't focus on the more interesting aspects of the subject matter and instead concentrates on bits that you don't really care about. But the thing is, is that even if you had all those interesting bits put in this film, it wouldn't matter because you have such jarring, off-putting, odd pantomime performances that, like, it's, it doesn't matter if it's the fucking Godfather part two, it's going to appear that it's shit because of these awful performances. Well, super super damning uh, response from a man who's, uh, you know, literally flying from emotions only. This is, you know, I can <laughs> really believe uh, what, what you're saying here. Maybe, Alex, you've got a, just a little comeback. Don't you want to see it now, though, Ozzy? After hearing all of that, aren't you like curious to I'm see? And, and the thing is, massively curious. Yeah. Oh, Ozzy, it's like Venice as well. It won't disappoint you. You will, you'll see it, and you'll, you'll be amazed at how I, I agree mostly with everything that Gav has just said about Jared later. Absolutely, but it has to be seen to be believed. And like I was saying before. I don't think it ruins the film. So it, it, it maybe comes close in a certain in a couple of scenes when you're like, Jesus Christ, Jared Leto, what is he doing? Especially there's a scene when Jared Leto and Al Pacino are both together in the same scene. And it's just like, 
it's just getting chewed. I'm sort of surprised there was any scenery left. It was just chewed to pieces. It's absolutely, <laughs> but it's something to behold. Do you know what I mean? It's film history. It really is. It's it's something to really remember. I would watch it again and show people just to be like, my God, look at that. Just look at it. It's just carnage. <laughs> but I'd, I'd also say that Gav's dead wrong when he talks about the, the characters being uninteresting and you know, Gav's saying that they do these 180s. I just didn't see that at all. I found, especially Lady Gaga, Patrizia Reggiani, you can see her character all the way through. It's a really good bit when Al Pacino, it's not Al Pacino that's good in it. He's saying how, like, he's <laughs> responsible. He's responsible for the family, and if it wasn't for him, they'd all be, like, picking up horse shit. And there's and just a really interesting shot where uh, Lady Gaga, Patrizia Reggiani, is looking away, and she's so angry, she's almost crying. She's so upset. And it's fascinating to see. It's really interesting. And it does, that's what I mean. It counterbalances with these kind of pantomime, definitely pantomime performances. You get these really interesting subtlety within the characters. And I think Gav maybe wanted it to be more, I don't know, like you've got the pantomime bits, but you've also got these quite subtle characters. And I really enjoyed that. And I think, I'm not saying they particularly complement themselves well, but you'll enjoy the subtle um, family thriller psychological parts. But you'll also enjoy the scene-chewing film history performances of Jared Leto and, if I'm honest, Al Pacino as well. Um, you, you mean you looked really believable when you said it, so um, it's hard to know. <laughs> it's, it's, you know I, I, it's, it's really hard to, uh, to know where to stand on that. But I'll, I I'll see. Have a, go on. Yeah, yeah. I, I, oh, go on. So what were we going to say? Sorry. Oh, no, I, I was actually going to say... I do have a lot of notes here. I mean, I also had live transcripts on, so I can skim through the entire argument if I want to during the quiz. But um, uh, maybe you've got a, a little bit of a summary, Gaff, or a little comeback and then a summary argument. Uh, um, yeah, I, I'll essentially say this film is almost like you, you go to buy uh, a Fabergé egg, you know, something that's really like exuberant and wealthy. And then when you get it in your hands, you realize that it's a Kinder Egg. And you're like, oh, okay. I mean, it's not what I wanted, but it's still pretty good. But then you crack open that Kinder Egg, and instead of there being a toy inside, there's just like a nugget of human shit. And <laughs> that's the film. I'm glad, you, I'm glad you carried on that metaphor past the Kinder, because I was going to say what the fuck's wrong with Kinder Eggs. But yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Well, they did all get recalled for Salmonella recently. You know? <laughs> oh, <did they? laughs> Keep it topical there, guys. <laughs> uh, Dave, maybe you'd like to do the um, the defences quick summary. Yeah, I'd, I'm going to reiterate what we said before. You know, I actually think the the phrase I stumbled over high end soap opera sums this up quite nicely. Actually, it is a family drama at its heart. All the other stuff, you know, the crime and the murder of Maurizio Gucci. Uh, that's that's you can see that somewhere else. That's not what this is. This is the house of Gucci play on the fashion house, but also the family. This is about the takeover and the uh, the backstabbing of each other that ultimately led to to none of the Gucci's actually having any say in how the house is now run. You know, it's a fascinating story and one that you shouldn't be embellishing, even if you do find this sort of story dull. This is one that you owe it to the people involved to retell accurately. I think the performances, I think some of the actors maybe got uh, a bit too... Too, too carried away, I think is what we're going to say about these performances. And I like the fact that Ridley Scott gave them free reign to do what they wanted on this. And I think it paid off with Lady Gaga and Adam Driver. I think their, their chemistry is superb. Lady Gaga ad-libbed quite a lot of her lines throughout this. Most of it made it into the final cut as well. You know, the father, son and the, and the House of Gucci line. 
actually became the tagline. That was an ad lib line from her. I think she really embodied the character and her and Driver together, who are at the center of this film, work well together and work well as individuals. I like Jeremy Irons. I didn't think there was a problem with his performance here. I thought Al Pacino was Al Pacino, but you know what? He brings a gravitas to this. And, you know, you, you can believe that Aldo Gucci was a, a figure much like Al Pacino, you know, a man not to be messed with, a man not to be trifled with, who didn't take fools gl- uh, gladly. And Jared Leto was Paolo Gucci. While I don't believe that Paolo Gucci was necessarily like this, people like, uh, like Tom Ford do say that he was an eccentric. He was quite wacky. Um, and I think uh, Jared Leto just saw the opportunity here to make a small role a bit bigger. He's made himself memorable. And like I say, with the accolades and the award nominations, I think a lot of people quite liked what he tried to do. Bring a bit of levity to it. Bring a bit of uh, humor to what is otherwise quite a sad, tragic story. And I think um, carve yourself a little piece of cinema history along the way. The, what Dave said about it being like receiving lots of different awards uh, and well, receiving at least lots of different nominations. Anyway, what you've really got to look at is this looks initially like it has Oscar bait written all over it. It was released at the time where all of the Oscar films are released. You know, it had a really heavy marketing campaign. It was pushed hard. It went to, it was it was screened at many, many different cinemas all over the country, all over the world. And it had a very heavy Oscar campaign as well. And out of all of that, what do we end up with? Just one solitary Oscar nomination for Best Achievement in Makeup and Hair Standing. And it didn't even win. I'd say that they put all of their eggs in the Oscar basket here and ended up with fuck all. And because it's obvious, because is that what you'd say? Is that what you'd say? Is it? Gav? You'd say they put all the <laughs> eggs in the Oscar basket and with fuck all. Yeah. The, 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 okay. But what about they put all their eggs in one basket, but there's a big fucking hole in the, in the basket, you know? They, because they, they didn't take you're the only time. You're metaphors to... this, this week. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't Was take the, the time. Was the basket made of human feces? Exactly. I see. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't take the time to weave the basket properly, and instead scope I would say they put a lot of eggs in a lot of different baskets. The Oscars turned down their basket, but BAFTA, Golden Globes, Screen Actors Guild and Critics Choice all picked up theirs. How many of those nominations did they actually win, though? I, I don't think this won anything. It does, I, it's not nominations. It doesn't have to be calm. Not every film can win an award. But the fact that it yeah, was yeah, nominated, but, I think, shows that you know people respected what they'd done here, respected those yeah, performances. Yeah, but Dave, in it didn't win anything. Now you'd, you'd think that like it would win it was, one, like you know, a solitary Golden Globe or you know something at the Baftas for best makeup or best hair or costumes or, or it just didn't win anything. But two performances were shortlisted to the final five across the board for that year in film. That's pretty good, even if they didn't win them in the end. That's yeah, pretty but good. This, this, this I mean, is what look- happens when you try and sneak in an argument <laughs> right at the end of the podcast. Do you know what I mean? This, this is what happens, right? I'm just going to add something in, and you just did open a can of worms, a can of Oscar worms. <laughs> yeah, I, I will say that Brad Pitt has won an Oscar for acting. So, no. <laughs> if he can win one, then you'd think the fucking Adam Driver or Lady Gaga could have won one, but... <laughs> Fantastic. All right. I've got a lot, I've lot to think about here. Shall we shall we go for a quiz and then wrap it up? I'd love a quiz. Yeah. Does okay. anybody have a quiz? I believe Joel was meant to have wrote the quiz, but he couldn't be asked turning up. So maybe someone else. Yeah, I didn't take Joel. Uh, when Joel said he'd do a quiz, I didn't take him seriously anyway. So I did <laughs> I did a backup quiz just in case. Uh this one is all about fashion in film. You know, this could be okay. this could be fun. Let's see, let's see how much we know about fashion in film. Or at least films 
with you know some some sort of vague basis in fashion. We'll see how we get on. Question number one. These are mostly multiple choice. Uh, in the 2021 Disney origin story Cruella, for which London-based department store does Estella get her first job? Is it A Harrods? I'll give you the option. I'll give you the options. Okay. You can all pick. Uh, a Harrods, B Liberty, C Selfridges. I'm going to say Harrods. Liberty. I'm going to say Selfridges. That is a point for Alex. It is Liberty. Oh. <laughs> Uh, question number two. In preparation for playing a dressmaker in 2017's Phantom Thread, Gav's favorite, Daniel Day-Lewis, spent how long learning the art of dressmaking? Is it Jesus a, Christ. A, he didn't bother. B, <laughs> a year. C, three years. Jesus Christ. Lewis. A year, please, Daniel. Just a year. <laughs> I, I, I hope to God that it was no time at all and he you know i don't know just acted and <laughs> pretended that he knew how to do it but knowing daniel day lewis probably three years minimum i think three that's another point alex it was just the one year oh. just the one year just jesus. The one year. <laughs> christ. jesus christ 2016 psychological horror neon demon follows an aspiring fashion model in la played by l fanning which actor plays against type as a lecherous motel owner is it A, Channing Tatum, B, Chris Evans, C, Keanu Reeves? Yeah. Is it Keanu Reeves? That's Aussie for Keanu Reeves. Chris Evans. I also think it's Keanu Reeves. That's points for Gav and Aussie. It is Keanu Reeves. Question number four. In, 20, in sorry, 2006 is The Devil Wears Prada. What is the name of the fictional fashion magazine at the center of the drama? Any similarities to Vogue are purely coincidental. Vague. Is it A? <laughs> <laughs> oh, it should have been vague. That should have been one of my made-up options. Is it A, borderline, B, ensemble, C, run up, runway? Runway. Oh, I think it's runway. runway. All for runway, you're all correct. It is runway. Never actually seen Devil Wears Prada. Oh, it's good. Yeah, I hear good things. I hear good things. Yeah, it's good. In the Ben Stiller vehicle Zoolander, what style of tie is Mugatu credited with having designed? Is it the A, the piano key necktie, B, the fish necktie, or C, the glow-in-the-dark necktie? Oh, piano key. Piano key, I think, yeah. yeah I, well, I thought it was fish, but yeah, I'm going piano key. You're all right. It is, of course, the piano key necktie. I invented that. <laughs> it's not multiple choice, okay? Uh, fashion designer Tom Ford, who's played by Reeve Carney in House of Gucci, has also produced, directed, and written the screenplays for two films. Name either one of them. Bam. Go. Uh, Nocturnal Animals. Yep. Did he? And, yeah, and I think, um, what's, the, what's that Colin Firth one? A, 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 a quiet, no, a single man. That's two points to Gav. Oh, well done. It go, is Gav. a single man oh, and Nocturnal Animals. Nocturnal Animals is brilliant. Yeah, Tom Ford, and so is a single man. Tom Ford, you know, he's only done two films, written, directed, and produced them. But you know what? Man of many talents. He's not just a good fashion yeah. designer. Yeah. No, I, I, also ha I also have his aftershave as well, which is delightful. I might add. <laughs> Tom, God, Tom well done, Ford. Tom Ford. <laughs> films on trial salutes you, Tom Ford. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and we're back to multiple choice now. Question seven. Which fashion designer turned a costume designer when they made more than a thousand unique costumes for 1997's The Fifth Element? Is it A, Jean-Paul Gaultier, B, Karl Lagerfeld, C, Donna Karen? Paul Gaultier? I'm going to say C. Um, Donna Karen, yeah, same. That's two for Donna Karen. Another point that Gav, it is Jean-Paul Gaultier. Oh, oh. Wow. 
Question number eight. One of the most iconic moments uh, in cinema-based fashion is the black dress worn by Audrey Hepburn in Breakfast at Tiffany's. Mm. Who designed that dress? <laughs> is it A, Christian Dior? Is it B, Hubert de Gavanchy? Or C, Coco Chanel? Hubert de Gavanchy, I think, possibly. I think it was A, Dior. I'm going to say Coco Chanel. That is a point to Alex. It is oh. Hubert de Givenchy. He's think... not going to make that up name, is he? <laughs> <laughs> you think uh, you think black dress? You do think Coco Chanel? But uh, no, it was de Givenchy that one. Oh. In... I, I, I thought that was going to be a Mickey Rooney question for some reason. No, <laughs> no, we tried to pretend that. Let's didn't stay happen, away. But yeah, shouldn't forget it at the same time. <laughs> In 2005 film Kinky Boots, about a struggling shoe factory that begins manufacturing footwear for drag queens. During which city's fashion week does the factory intend to display its new range? Is it A, Milan, B, London, C, Paris? Oh, man, I saw the uh, musical of this recently. I think it's Paris. Oh, no, is it Milan? Oh, I don't know. Paris. I, think Milan. I think Milan. That's a point that Alex and Ozzy, it oh. is Milan. Oh. <laughs> you're, that, you're there, Gav, you're almost <laughs> And number 10, which House of Gucci actor has modelled for the fashion label itself? Most recently in November's uh, Gucci Love Parade. Is it Al Pacino. A, <laughs> <laughs> Jeremy Irons, come on. <laughs> Is it God, A, man. Jack Houston, B, Jared Leto, C, Lady Gaga? He's God. Jared Leto. It's got to be Leto, honey. Is it? Oh, yeah, the images are probably in it, but I'm st- I stick with Gaga. I stick with Gaga. I'm sticking with it. That is a point to Gav and Alex. Yeah. It is Jared Leto. Apparently, he goes. He has a big connection with Gucci. He goes way back. Where's a lot of their say, stuff you, on? Uh, it, loads, loads of images come off of him. Yeah, you know, uh, he I seems just, genuinely fond of the brand Gucci. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, you can tell it in his performance, can't you? Absolutely. It's a labor of love right there. Of love. <laughs> yeah. Well yeah, done, I, gentlemen. That is a, a fashion quiz. And just like that, Gav and Alex, you have drawn for the win on this one. Ooh, well you, don't, you don't seem happy about that, but... I'm <laughs> <laughs> in it to win it, Dave. <laughs> Do we have oh, a, a well, piano tie? Breaker. <laughs> <laughs> no tiebreaker. <laughs> uh, I actually could do. I, I could do a tiebreaker if you want. Uh, let's call it a piano tiebreaker. Um, yeah. Zoolander Two had a number of celebrity cameos in it from the fashion industry. I want you to go back and forth. Name celebrity cameos from Zoolander. Jesus II. Christ. <laughs> Carl Lagerfeld is one of them. Correct. Alex is off to a good start. Oh, um. I don't really know that many. Uh, Tom Ford is not. That was it. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, sorry, guys. Tom no Ford. God. Do, you know, do you know originally I was going to say Jerry Stiller? <laughs> that was the only person <laughs> that was coming into my head. I was like, I know he's in it. He's got nothing to do with fashion, though. But can I just I say feel, Jerry Stiller? Yeah, I feel, no, I feel well sorry done. for you, Gav. I think I, I have a feeling Tom Ford might have been the first one, but there's more people in two, so we went with that. Oh, don't worry. I, th- I, th- I thought I thought it was so forgettable that I've forgotten every cameo that was in it. So, anyway, <laughs> thank you very much, Dave. Well done, Alex. Yeah, thank no, thank you, thank you all, and thank you, Gav, for sticking with it in spite of the technical difficulties. It is much appreciated. We thank you for everything you do for the podcast. Honestly, we do. Now that that little shift's gone, we can't hear it anymore. <laughs> um, seriously, I think it, I thought I could already tell which way this was going to go. You know, I think from the the starting point, uh, sort of Alex and Dave kind of were making me feel like this wasn't a good film throughout. But they've they've handled the bits which are not good about this quite 
openly and honestly and, and have kind of justified why it doesn't ruin the film. And then Gav came in with a very passionate um, rebuttal, you know, fully took your arguments and trampled it through the, the shitty streams of Venice, um, <laughs> you know, in the middle of summer um, and, 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 and made me, you know, made me think twice about uh, really whether, whether you're telling me any sorts of truths on the other side <laughs> that the, the 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 film is broken from the uh, from the off you know in terms of it, it probably is enjoyable i think it probably is um worth a watch just so that i'm aware of the arguments against it pretty much so i i don't want to drag it out too long i think i'm going to put this on the shit list but shit list that you must watch <laughs> Okay, thank you very much for the good summary there, Ozzy. I, I will go first. I was a hundred percent, yeah, I was, I was, I was a hundred percent accurate with everything they said. Or, or but I believe it a hundred percent anyway. Uh, I, it was, it, it was a stone. What I said were, were facts. They weren't <laughs> <laughs> facts. No, I, I will say that. Like, I, I thought it was going to be this really interesting film, and you know, I was really looking forward to learning more about it. And the cast they assembled of brilliance, and I loved, you know, the advert. It showed all the decadence, all the style, all the fashion. It all seemed brilliant, but it, it, it was just, it, it was just mush. You know, it was, it just didn't know what it wanted to be. What it tried to do was try and blend lots of different themes into one film, and it just the result wasn't very good. And the performances really fucking spoil it for you but as you said Ozzy it's one of those films that you have to see to believe uh, okay um, Dave what did you think I think Ozzy's made the right call to be honest with you. <laughs> um, I didn't care for it to be honest with you I mean I, I tried to stick with the facts to a degree I just omitted certain things one thing I think I do need to correct is you know when I said Tom Ford watched the film and said oh yeah Paolo Gucci wasn't eccentric he was wacky and he, Tom Ford added after that and that wasn't him you know, Jared Leto's performance could not have been further from the man. The man, although wacky and eccentric, was also dignified and well-dressed, you know, took pride in his appearance. He didn't have this slovenly appearance that Jared Leto seemed to have gone for. Um, yeah, I think everyone who knew him is in firm agreement that that wasn't Paolo Gucci. What the hell was Jared Leto trying to achieve there? You know, you can make all the excuses in the world and say maybe he wanted to go for comedy, but it came across as offensive. Like I, like I reminded us all when we we're doing this, this was a real film. Sorry, a real story about real people. And their descendants, their immediate descendants, are still with us and are very likely to be offended by some of the portrayals of this. I think they've played the family with absolute disrespect, to be honest with you. I think it's, it's sloppy writing, sloppy research, and poor performances, and bad casting. You know, Al Pacino was not a good fit for Aldo Gucci. You know, just, just Google Aldo Gucci. Al Pacino does not look anything like him and doesn't act like him either. You know, Aldo Gucci was another man who was very dignified in the way he carried himself. Uh, Rodolfo Gucci, I say Jeremy Irons is the only one maybe they got right, but bear in mind, he was a last-minute addition. They wanted De Niro for Rodolfo Gucci. <laughs> oh, thank God they didn't yeah. get him. In the end, I think they actually looked out when they got Jeremy Irons. Yeah, yeah, he was a last-minute replacement, and at least he he looked a bit like Rodolfo. At least that, he carried himself with the grace that apparently the man had. You know, that would have been uh, a triple threat then: Lito, exactly. De Niro, and Pacino. Jesus can you Christ. imagine? Can you imagine? So I think they just dodged a bullet there. You know, but it's uh, ultimately, I think yeah, they've paid a lot of disrespect to the Gucci family and to their descendants. I think everyone who knew them has pretty much slammed this, and deservedly so. And I think it is, it's down to bad writing. Um, Ridley Scott not getting his cast under control and yet a lot of egos going on there. So 
uh, and the film's too long. It's actually quite dull. It's quite a boring take on the uh, the story of the House of Gucci, which is a shame because there is a really fascinating story there, and and it, there shouldn't be any comedy elements in it anyway because actually it is quite tragic. Mm-hmm. You know, their their father started this company from nothing and they lost it because they couldn't see eye to eye. You know, the family are now out. It's a sad story. It's not, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a sad story. There's nothing funny to it. So I don't think there should be comedy trying to be inserted into it. So yeah, I, I didn't care for it. Yeah. Um, Thank you very much, Dave. <laughs> so Alex, I mean, what did you really think? I, like, honestly, I was texting Gav and I was like, just we were just like laying into Leto and Pacino's performance. But the rest of the film... I didn't mind that much, to be honest. So I'm not even saying particularly you put it on the wrong list, but I didn't mind it that much. I was interested in some parts of the story and I did. I wasn't expecting to watch it in one sitting. It's two and a half hours. And as soon as I saw that, I was like, you know what? I'm probably not going to watch this in one sitting. And I ended up, once I got past Lito and Pacino, I, I did like the Maurizio and Patrizia story. I just did. I found it quite interesting. Um... So I did get into it, but maybe the bit I wasn't being honest about was when I said that Leto's performance isn't film-breaking. It possibly is. I think if 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 you don't think that performance is bad, then I, I just beg his belief that that is like the dictionary term of what a bad performance is. Like the thing is as well, I don't even feel angry towards Jared Leto. I felt a bit sorry for him because it's it's like pantomime that's not funny. You can see he's actually going for laughs, yeah. but he's not a funny guy. And he's it's like cringe making. So I wasn't even angry at Lito. It's it's kind of like, oh God, just make him stop. He him Gav screen. didn't yeah. Gav didn't bring it up, but he tries to almost make his own catchphrase. He keeps saying boof. 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 And by the end, he's literally doing it as like a punchline to a scene that's quite serious. And he just turns around and goes, boof. And like, and it's just like no one's laughing, buddy. Like that isn't that just isn't funny. So I like the film. But I would say that Leto came as close as anyone could to literally just shooting it, like executing it. It's it's that bad. That but I do. Like I will say, Ozzy, I think you'll enjoy watching it. I don't. I think you might. You might feel like you've made the right call. But I do think you'll enjoy watching it as well at the same time. Okay. Well, I mean, that's. I'm glad to hear that I've at least interpreted the arguments correctly, and and it's on the right list. You know, it's. It feels, you know, from it's hard to have missed it as a film and to have heard what people say about it. Um, but but like Dave said, you know, it was nominated for so many things. It seemed to be on the up and up. And then I'd hear people talking about having watched it, saying just how atrocious it was. And, you know, sometimes seeing the adverts and you think, fucking hell, where are these accents from? Mm-hmm. So I tried to reserve as much judgment as possible. And I thought your arguments were both, you know, were, were very good in terms of, covering up from that but i'm glad that i've uh i've let it land on the right list and um but we'll see for sure you know we'll see we'll see what i think yes yeah, i'm probably not now that i know it's two and a half hours i'm not going to watch it tonight but yeah maybe maybe tomorrow yeah i just want to give a you know, last minute bit of praise for tom ford i think he gave a pretty good review of this when he was talking about obviously he knew aldo and he knew paolo and he said pacino and lito just go full-on ham 
for this performance, and he said, "Not a prosciutto like Aldo and Jack." And, uh, <laughs> and Paolo would have approved. Of. <laughs> God, Tom Ford. Go Tom, Tom Ford, an eloquent man. Tom Ford, <laughs> great guy. Great. Guy. <laughs> uh, right. Okay. So quickly, higher or lower than our previous film on trial, which was something's got to give, which scored seventy-two percent critical and sixty-nine percent audience scores on Rotten Tomatoes. Higher, please be higher. Lower. Lower. I think lower. I, I was pretty polarized in this. There are people who, who quite liked it, but some people really hated it. You know what? I honestly feel like I've been gaslit by this film because it's got 63% critical, which I think is far too high, and then 83% audience uh, score. I'm just like, did I watch something different? I just don't understand. I can sort of see it. I can sort of see it. Oh, okay. Uh, well, yeah, that, that, that's it then. Uh, thank you very much, everybody, for your arguments. We're going to be back in your ears next week when we continue our journey through Ridley Scott's back catalogue with Alien Covenant. And, uh, yeah, I just want to say thank you very much to everybody who's listened to this episode. Really appreciate it. If you want more Films on Trial content, check out filmsontrial.co.uk. Check us out on any podcasting platform and follow us on all social media our film trials or films on trial so what what have we learned today well house of gucci is a little bit like venice in that it's overwhelmingly sticks of shit (laughs) 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 in the height of summer yeah yeah. and it is firmly in the shit list so thank you very much guys we'll be back in your ears in two weeks time with alien covenant goodbye Oh, whatever, Alex has literally just typed in House of Gucci porn parody. <laughs> How do you spell Gucci? <laughs> House of... Uh, <laughs> literally, it's literally House of Gucci. <laughs> <laughs>